All right, we are back to the Didactic Mind podcast. This is Didactic Mind episode 93. Getting close to a full century here, at least for this uh, particular version of the podcast. And uh, this is episode 93, Value and Worth. Very warm welcome to all of my longtime readers from the site. A very warm welcome to all of my listeners over on Podbean. I need to give a special shout out to reader, longtime reader in front of the site, Pat himself. Reason being, uh, in my last podcast, which <laughs> was like six weeks overdue, something like that, five weeks overdue, um, Pat left a comment in which he said the only reason that he downloaded the Podbean app onto his iPhone at, that was that was given to him, I'm not going to say who gave it to him, but it was given to him, I don't want to get him into trouble in case anybody's listening, uh, was because he wanted to download the Podbean app, which now exists on, his, on that iPhone, and the only reason he uses that Podbean app is to listen to this podcast. So uh, it gives you some indication of, of just how loyal and how supportive my readership actually is, which is gratifying to say the least. And quite astonishing, frankly. So many thanks to Pat. Uh, the Didactic Mind podcast is now on a new platform called Wisdom.audio, and there will be a link to that in the description box. This is a new app uh, which is currently only available for iPhone. You can download it in the App Store, and you will be able to get the full podcast, which I think it should be fully available. And um, will essentially uh, allow you to build, uh, will allow me and will allow you as a listener to build a community, supposedly, on their platform. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm still subscribed on Podbean. Um, and that's, that's my place of setup and that's, that's where these podcasts will be loaded, but you know, fine. Um, and then basically, the, the idea is that you will be able to listen to uh, this podcast on a different platform, potentially. So check out wisdom.audio. Um, again, link will be in the description box for you. And you'll be able to see if my podcast is registered there. If you have an iPhone, why you would have an iPhone, I don't know. Um, I flatly refuse to use iPhone. I am, you know, I, I use Linux at home and, and Android for everything. Uh, although Android, to be honest, isn't very much better. I mean, the way they've locked in everything using the Google Play Store is pretty scary. Uh, but until and unless they launch an Oxygen mod, or a Cyan... Well, yeah, actually, Oxygen is, is the current open source version, I think. Uh, it used to be Cyanogen. Uh, Cyanogen was the open source build of Android, but that sort of died. Um, problem is that you know, the community never kept up with it. Uh, smartphone operating systems really live or die based on the apps and if you don't have a centralized app store that kind of puts everything together ultimately your build is going to die which is why Oxygen which is the OnePlus equivalent um, and I think it's a, a lightly skinned version of Oxygen that they use um, still sticks to Google Play as, as the primary source of its apps. Amazon has tried to launch an app store for uh, its version of the Kindle Fire interface, but that hasn't worked out that well. So anyway, um, 
One other thing I should point out before we get past the advertising and the and the props, VPNs, if you ha don't have one already, make sure you get one because the Canadian Freedom Convoy episode demonstrated quite conclusively just how important it is to begin decoupling yourself from centralized finance, centralized internet, centralized everything. And it's gotten to be such an important topic that I plan to write some articles and do some podcasts on this exact subject. I happen to be engaged in a project right now looking at a topic heavily related to decentralized finance. And I'm hoping to put some of the knowledge that I've gained to good use in your service by talking about and writing about some of the ways in which you can get away from the control of big banks. By this I mean, if you remember back to January 6th last year, the so-called Capitol Hill riot, which was absolutely nothing of the sort, it was an actual peaceful protest where the Chewbacca shaman walked over, the QAnon shaman, whatever his name was, you know, um, uh, Viking Chewbacca walk, <laughs> walked into uh, the, the, I think it was the, the, the House of Representatives and stood at the speaker's podium um, and it was a glorious moment. It was hilarious. I mean, it was absolutely hysterical. And yet, wusses like Adam Kinzinger and, uh, you know, giant crybabies like that basically said, oh my God, we're so scared. And it's like, dude, come on, grow a pair of balls somewhere. And, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a mainstream Republican, so he doesn't have balls or a spine, but, you know, fine. Um, but you remember after that, that so-called riot, Bank of America started shutting down people's accounts and handing over their personal data to the FBI. This means that there are now people who have rotted in jail for over a year. They will never have access to a mainstream bank account again, which means they will never have access to a personalized checking account. They will never have access to personalized loans. They can never get a home loan. They can never get financing for anything. They are effectively shut out of the financial system at least if they go with the big banks. But there are alternatives out there. And those alternatives involve cryptocurrency and ways to get away from centralized finance. Stable coins, cryptocurrencies, uh, and decentralized financial services. This is the way of the future. And the big financial institutions are really terrified about it. They are investing heavily in ways to leverage the technology, co-opt it, and get involved with it. Some of those investments are good, actually. Uh, seriously, some of those investments are very, very good. I can rattle off the top of my head, you know, Visa and MasterCard-backed cryptocurrency cards that allow you to more or less seamlessly pay for goods and services using crypto. It's great. It's a great idea. Um, but some of them are rather more sinister. And you need to be prepared for the day that you will get off of the centralized financial system, which is almost completely controlled by a hegemonic operation of Jews and, you know, um, Pharisaitanists, effectively, based primarily in the United States, but distributed all over the world, to a multipolar system, which is built on blockchains and built on decentralized applications. We're moving towards that future very quickly, and other nations will play a big part of that. 
concurrent or con um, yeah concurrently with getting yourself off the mainstream financial services networks you need to get yourself off of the mainstream uh, search engines and the mainstream tech platforms and you start by anonymizing your identity the first place to start with that is through a VPN service like Surfshark now I've been promoting Surfshark for a long time I will continue to promote it because I think honestly it's the best value service out there so there's always going to be a discount code in the description box go and click on that if you don't have a VPN connection already I surf as much as I can with a VPN enabled because I don't want people to know where my IP address is I don't want people to know where I am I don't want um, trackers to be able to find me I sure as hell don't want Google to be able to find me and send me personalized crap um, I actually don't like Google at all I mean my Gmail account is I barely use personal correspondence anymore um, honestly most of what I get these days is like advertising uh, eventually it will be time to switch away to something like ProtonMail which is completely anonymous and anonymized and secure but until that time you need to protect your own identity with something like Surfshark so check it out and you get like an 80% discount for a two-year subscription which is a phenomenal value deal it is the best value VPN in the industry I mean you just don't get that kind of quality for that kind of money anywhere else the only one that comes anywhere close is NordVPN and NordVPN has some issues not many um, I think overall for especially if you're using Linux Surfshark is a better option so be sure to check it out if you haven't already gotten yourself a VPN register for one and make sure that you can surf the internet anonymously with peace of mind without being tracked without lots of malware coming your way and uh, make sure that you can sail the high seas and take advantage of the devil mouse whenever you need whenever you feel the need because Lord knows they need to be destroyed so coming back to the original topic of my podcast value and worth the reason I wanted to do a podcast tonight is because I wanted to talk about how you add value to people's lives and what your time is worth as a man trying to add that value and this is spurred this podcast essentially came from an experience that I had quite recently where I was at a networking event now you know deep introverts like me roll our eyes every time like we roll our eyes so hard you can hear our eyeballs click in our heads whenever we hear the word networking it's like oh good lord I don't I don't want to go through this crap um, and very few deep introverts enjoy it uh, I, I definitely don't I enjoy one-on-one -on -one interactions those are really fun for me uh, I, I actually learn a very great deal from them and I'll get back to that in a moment but the this networking event was a chance for us to meet other people who'd been kind of through the same program and had graduated from it, from it and uh, uh, you know and moved on to different things in their lives uh, not graduated but kind of finished it and, and done other things right so people like us who had you know um, kind of entered or continued their their education elsewhere and had practical experience in the field because uh, this was for people who are looking to get practical experience in other fields in other industries okay great 
So you log into a Zoom room and you're there with three or four other people and there's one guy there and it turns out he's not a very senior guy, he's just a, sort of a junior to mid-level guy maximum. And he left or he finished whatever program you're doing uh, a few years ago. So he's, number one, he's not very influential. And number two, you're competing for his attention with four or five other people. And then inevitably, what happens? Well, you get that one jackass who can't shut up about himself and it gets time to introduce himself or herself and he just goes on and on and on and on and on and bloody on and on a bit more for about five minutes when you have a 20 minute so-called networking session and somebody spends five minutes or more introducing himself and rabbiting on about how great this whole experience is and how much he's learned from it and everything he's done in the past, you can actually see people's eyes glazing over. You can actually see them tuning that person out. You can see the lack of attention and interest immediately. Why? Because that person who's going on and on like that is actively subtracting value from whoever is there to provide it. Why is that? The first and most important thing to understand is that your time is valuable. The entire concept of money, if you think about it really carefully, the entire reason we have money in the first place is to provide a universally accepted medium of exchange for the value of our time into the value of someone else's time. That is what we do. We turn our time, which is potential energy, into output, into goods and services, which is actual energy, right? Kinetic energy, um, if, you, if you play sports, let's say, uh, or energy embedded in a product. So it is a translation of potential into actual. It is a translation of time into value, right? That's what money is. Which, by the way, is why debasing the currency is such an evil act. It is such a profoundly, fundamentally evil thing to do. Because what you're doing is artificially destroying the value of someone else's time. Thereby, you are artificially destroying the value of someone else's life. That is why inflation is immoral. That is the simplest explanation you will ever find about why inflation does what it does to people and to societies. So once you understand that your time is valuable, you now need to understand how to maximize the value that you bring to the table. How do you do that? Well, again, remember what I said about this person that I, and it's, it's not an uncommon problem. It's actually very, very frequent. You run into it all the time. I had another uh, experience of this what, back in November um, or October, whenever it was. We had you know, 50 or 60 people in, in a room and there was a networking event after a box launch, which honestly wasn't very good. And, you know, I sat down, I've gotten better over the years actually at, at this sort of thing. There was a time I was at a wedding uh, about 11, you know, almost 11 years ago where I literally couldn't say a word to anybody. I was too shy. I was too introverted. I had no clue how to just walk up to someone and shake his hand and say, hi, how are you doing? 
for me, it was a very nerve-wracking experience. So in the 11 years since then, I've gained a lot more confidence, a lot more skill. I've been able to get out there a lot more. I've been able to show my face a lot more in real life, obviously. And I've gotten a lot better at just walking up to people, introducing myself and saying, hi, my name is, and this is what I uh, have to offer. And in fact, I don't even say that. And I'll, again, I'll come back to this. So I, you know, I sat down next to somebody and just struck up a conversation. It was like, hey, I hear you're doing such and such, and that's really interesting. Why don't you tell me more about your journey? And then I saw somebody else come over. Of course, he was African. Uh, Africans tend to do this a lot. He sat down and he started basically telling his whole life story, <laughs> which is always a terrible idea. When you start telling your life story to people, they switch off really fast. They're not interested. Why? Again, you're taking away their time. So the second thing to remember is once you understand that time is value, time is potential, time is important, time literally is money. Once you understand that, the second thing to understand is how to maximize your value when talking with someone else. And this is key, especially for introverts. If you are of an introverted mind and psychology, then you need to understand how to maximize your strengths and maximize your potential and your impact. The fastest way to do this is to ask questions. Here's the reality. Most people's favorite topic of discussion is them. People love to talk about themselves. They love to go on and on and on about all the great things they've done. Most of them haven't done great things. Most of them are actually pretty useless at most things. But they love to talk about how great they are, how many wonderful things they've done, where they've been, what they've seen, the people they've known. I mean, if you go on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is hilarious um, if you want a great insight into the narcissism and solipsism of most people's lives and the sheer vapidity of most people's lives. But what I mean by that is there's a, a great meme which shows the difference between LinkedIn and real life. And in LinkedIn, you'll see people with these biographies that have like blockchain enthusiast, crypto evangelist, fintech investor, angel investor, transformational visionary leader, uh, etc etc separated by these um, uh, straight uh, straight bars you know that, that do that and everyone has his um, personal pronouns in his biography or he him she her they them if it were up to me I would just put in uh, his majesty and my lord um, something like that yeah uh, that sounds about right um, if I could get away with it I would but um, you can't do that. Uh, you know, the, the, the gatekeepers will jump all over you. But these are the people who really get a, a huge ego boost out of the echo chambers that tend to evolve from social media platforms. They talk a lot about all the wonderful lessons they've learned in their careers and all the amazing things they've seen and done. It's like, dude, you... you what are you talking about? Uh, I mean, everything you're saying is nonsense. Uh, everything you're saying is 
inapplicable to the real world. But they get away with it because the reality is most of the people on these platforms are liberals and the ones who are conservatives are generally keeping quiet because let's face facts, we don't want to get fired. So you end up with a self-reinforcing narrative about how wonderful these people are, but then you actually look at their accomplishments in real life and you realize they're just selling themselves and not doing a very good job actually. So how then do you feed that? How do you gain stuff from that tendency? Well, it's very simple. When you're at one of these functions or events, you sit down and you ask questions. You ask questions and you listen. This is every introvert's favorite thing to do. You just sit and you absorb information one-on-one. -on -one. It's a great exercise. This is where I've always gotten the most value. And the, the most important thing to understand is that when you're doing this, you can't be too transparent about your motives. When you're in a, let's say, a career networking session or an event of some kind, you need to be clear about what you want to get out of that effort. But you also need to be clear that you're not going to show your cards too, clear, too, too quickly. You're not going to be too eager to show off what, what you're trying to do. The key to a good conversation is to make sure that it is not transactional. And yet it is transactional deep down. You know, you know it's transactional. The other person you're talking to knows it's transactional. So what value are you bringing to the table, right? That's the key. That's the puzzle that you have to solve. What value do you bring to the table when talking to somebody who already has value? How do you unlock that? The answer, or at least an answer, that I can think of is to ask questions and then to guide the conversation from there into areas where you can contribute information, where you have knowledge that the other person can relate to or needs in order to fulfill his function. And here's why that's important. In recent days, as I said, I've been working on this project involving decentralized finance and blockchain technology. And initially, you know, we set out to do a bunch of interviews. You know, really cool, very interesting. We didn't know very much of anything. But after two, just two or three interviews with people who actually know what this stuff is, we learned really fast. So we started doing some research on our own. And I started learning all sorts of cool things about the technical details of how blockchains work and the uh, difficulties of scaling blockchains and the speed problems with blockchains and the uh, security solutions around blockchains and how do you use them and, and what's stopping people from using Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in a broader context. All of this stuff is absolutely fascinating. But as it turns out, the majority of people involved in these fields have narrow specializations. They only see a small part of the big picture. So the more people you talk to who have these small parts of the big picture, the bigger your mental picture becomes. And the more you are able to contribute back to people who want to know more. So the more conversations you have, 
and it's not actually conversations on your part, it's the more questions you ask, the more value you can add, the more information you have available, the more value you can give back to people. At a certain point, you'll reach an inflection where even though you're the guest and the other person is the speaker, you'll actually know enough where you can sit down with that person and act as an authority. And that is when you know that you've reached the point where you are demonstrating great value. The key thing to remember, the third point to understand is that most people that you come across in your life will not have much value to add to you. Now that's not to say that they have no intrinsic value, that's ridiculous. What I am saying is that these people don't have anything to contribute to you at that moment. They may have things to contribute to others in other contexts, but they don't have anything to contribute to you. So what do you do about that? What do you do about the fact that most of the people that you meet are energy and time-sucking vampires? Well, you need to play to your strengths as, and I'm, most of my audience is introverts, so I'm gonna speak as an introverted man to other introverts. You need to play to your introverted strengths. If you are an introvert, again, remember, you gain value by asking questions, receiving information, storing that up, and then eventually doling that out again returning it back to the community, returning it to the people you're speaking with. When you interact with people, you will very quickly be able to tell, almost immediately, who will add value to your knowledge base and who will not. The people who don't add value, just don't engage with them. I mean, if you're, if you're experienced enough, if you're knowledgeable enough, if, you're if you have been out around people enough, you can tell very quickly, actually. You can tell by body language, you can tell by tone of voice, you can tell by, specifically by the tone of the questions. You can even tell by facial expressions and the eyes, whether this person is someone who will actually add value to you or if it's someone who will take away your energy. If it's someone who takes away your energy, just get out of there immediately. If it's someone who will add value to you, then try to add value back. Find out what interests that person and add value and show your worth by directing the conversation in a way that that person will feel engaged and useful. Like that conversation has actually done something good for him or her. And I can come up with example after example in my own life about this. I hate networking events. I absolutely hate them. And most people like me absolutely hate them because you're forced into such an artificial environment. You have to shake hands with people you don't know. You have to collect a bunch of business cards. If, if you've ever lived in, uh, in Asia, you know what this is like. People, people go to these events not to do anything, but to say, I was seen with such and such. Oh. I went to this, uh, this, this gala event, black tie thing, and I was seen with the uh, I don't know, senior vice president of Spacely Sprockets, who is in charge of, um, 
of fuel tank sprockets that, that go into the, 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 the moon lander, you know, stuff like that. Th this is the guy who's in charge of marketing lubricants for sprockets across the whole of the North American region. He's a super way high MD, you know, managing director, VP, senior vice president, whatever. Like, it's just, it's, it's all about rank and status. And everyone always goes around and they're actually really aggressive about it. If you've ever been to a networking event in Singapore, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, you know, you, you basically walk up to someone and, that, and, and you immediately just give him the business card. And he gives you your business card. And you have, to, you have to give it with both hands, kind of leaning forward, bowing down slightly. And you receive it with both hands, leaning forward, bowing down slightly. And then you just look at it very perfunctorily and then you put it away. You have no idea who the other person is. You have absolutely no clue. It's like uh, some you know, high muckety-muck from some company you met him, you got his business card, and you walked in, you shook his hand, they're like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Uh, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, that's really cool, I do this, etc. And then by the end of the evening, you have no idea who this guy is. I mean, I'm, I am absolutely hopeless with names. It's actually hilarious. I, I can't count the number of times where I've been in these situations where like, I'll meet somebody, and he'll tell me his name, and five minutes later, I'll be like, who's that guy? I know his face, I have no idea what his name is. I've completely forgotten. I am hopeless with names. So for me, these events are like torture. I mean, it's so painful. I, I have to like afterwards just retreat and go play Halo for three hours to unwind and de-stress and detox. So those events are horrible. They're absolutely horrible and they actually take away value from you. And people always say, you should go to these events. You should do this, you should do that. No, it's not gonna work for people like me. It just doesn't work. It's not useful. There's only one time where I've ever been to an event like that where it actually contributed anything of value to me. And that was, uh, it helped me get my first job actually, way back when. Um, I'm quite old and creaky by now, so this is going back a long ways. Um, being a verified card-carrying member of uh, Ye Grumpy Old Farts Club, I am very much advanced in age. And so this is like, I don't know, more than 10 years ago, uh, back when job fairs were still kind of a thing and you, you had to show up in person. But I remember um, I went to a job fair and I, I shook this big, you know, hefty guy's hand and introduced myself and I said, hey, that's, uh, what are you, so what are you doing? And he said, I am from such and such company and this is what we do. And I ended up having a good conversation with him. He's a nice guy. and. I actually ended up working with him uh, you know, because I dropped off my CV and I had supposedly a good pedigree. I dropped off my CV with him and a couple of weeks later I got a call back for an interview and I did well in that interview and then I did well in the next interview and I got through uh, to the final round and got my job, which was, uh, believe me, was a, a big deal back then. Um, took a huge amount of stress off my shoulders. But uh, things have changed now, you know, the world is different. And ever since then, such events have been totally useless to me. What I have found instead to be much more effective is to do one-on-one -on -one conversations with people via Zoom calls or team calls, Teams calls, whatever they're called, uh, or Skype or WebEx, whatever it takes, right? And 
I've literally been in situations where somebody opens up a, a meeting with me. He looks kind of bored and he's not interested. And he's like, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm just doing somebody a favor talking to you. And instead of launching into a peroration about how great I am and how many things I've done, I start by saying, hi, I am. And I'm really interested in learning about your journey. And I want to learn lessons from you about how you've gotten to where you have. And I'd like to take some ideas from you and some, some of those, those lessons that you have to teach and apply them in my own life. Because I can see that there are places where I've gone wrong and I would like your help in order to understand what to fix. Something along those lines. Or, you know, I would like to get from this discussion a clear picture of how this system works, how this technology works, because I'm really interested in it and I want to understand it better and I want to know more and I'm looking to you to teach me. And all of a sudden you've changed the whole tone of that conversation. You've changed it from I'm taking away your time to I want to use your time. I want to gain value from your time. I want to learn from you. Yes, it's an ego thing. Of course, it's an ego thing. Um, you're stroking somebody's ego. I mean, you know, I've had it done to me and I've gotten to the point now where in most cases I just, I'm just like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, but I've seen this work time and again with quite senior people. I mean, people with 15, 20 years of experience in their careers who started out by just being like, oh, okay, yeah, so you're doing this and you've done that. Okay, cool. To, oh, wow, you have a really interesting background. Tell me more about yourself. What are you looking to do? What, where are you, you know, what are you interested in? Once you get to that point in the conversation, then you know you've succeeded because you know that you're doing something good for somebody else because he's actually interested in talking to you. You're not... You're not, it's not just a one-way conversation anymore. It's about what you're adding to that person's life. So when you come across these worthless people, and I want to make it very clear, they're worthless in the sense that they're not adding value to you. They will add value to others. They are of intrinsic value and worth to God Almighty, of course, but they are not valuable to you at that point in time. I want to make that very, very clear. When you come across such worthless people who just subtract time and energy from your life, you need to walk away from them in general. There are exceptions, there are exemptions. You can't do that with family, you can't do that with some friends, you have to tolerate them. So manage around them, you know, manage around the people who are gonna take two or three hours um, ranting at you about how horrible life is. And by the way, one of my friends actually listens to this podcast. He, he and I do this. He and I have these two-hour conversations. Dude, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other people in my life who are like that. that you ain't the only one, okay? So there are people like, who just talk and talk and talk for the sake of talking. Um, podcasts don't count. <laughs> I want to make it clear. Uh, these are people who just talk and talk and talk on phone calls for the sake of talking where you're supposed to be having a conversation, but it turns into just a, an unhinged rant. Um, 
So I have a couple of people like that in my life, plural, couple of people. Uh, the guy who listens to this podcast is not one of them. The, there are other people in my life who are like that who don't listen to this podcast, who are among that number. When you come across those people, they may add value to your life in some measure. I mean, it may be fun to talk to at some level, but you need to manage that time. And you know, if they're friends, I mean, you want to manage it carefully. You want to be polite. You want to be respectful. But you need to understand that at some level, it's not necessarily all that helpful to you. You'd be better off doing something else. So keep that in mind. The fourth thing to take away from all of this is that everything I've just said applies squared and cubed to the dating and marriage and sexual marketplaces. One of the greatest struggles for us as men in the modern world is in finding a decent woman. And it is immensely difficult. I mean, I'm not going to lie. With Western women being the disasters that they are today, it's extraordinarily difficult to find a woman who will actually add value to your life. This comes down to the fundamental misunderstanding of where a man's value comes from versus a woman's value. A man's value comes from his ability to create things and build things and generate, uh, translate potential into reality. That is the strength and value of a man. The value of a woman comes from her ability to create life. You don't like it? Tough. Everything about men and women comes down to one simple statement. Sperm is cheap and eggs are expensive. That's it. That's like the, the sum and substance of everything to do with men and women. Everything else derives from that. Okay? You don't have to like it. You just have to accept it. When you come across a woman who has a great career and lots of degrees and qualifications coming out of her ears and works 50, 60 hours a week in an investment bank or a consulting firm, okay, can she cook? No. Can she clean? No. Can she hold any kind of decent conversation about anything other than pop culture or not even pop culture, but reality TV? No. Okay. She's not adding value to your life. That's not the kind of woman you need to be with. You are far better off with a woman who is, let's say, unemployed, um, hasn't really worked a job for a long time, but is feminine and beautiful and kind, symp sympathetic, supportive, gives you a lot of time and attention, helps you to feel better when you're you know, really down in the dumps, supports you in everything you do, gives you strength, gives you a happy space in which to operate and live. Most importantly, just makes you feel valued and desired. That's useful. That's valuable. That's helpful. And, you know, that is the kind of person you want to have in your life. That kind of woman is getting more and more rare these days. I'll be the first to admit that. It's very difficult to find. And it's challenging to, to, to sort the low-quality women from the high-quality ones. The high-quality ones are, of course, constantly pursued. 
um, they don't necessarily have to be the best looking women. I mean, obviously, a woman's value is heavily tied to her looks. You can't get away from that. That's just the truth. But it's not the only thing, as it turns out, as it happens. Yes, looks are an important part of it, but some of the, the, the ugliest and nastiest women you've ever met are actually beautiful on the outside. They look stunning on the outside. But inside, they're, just, they're, they're, they're horrendous people. On the outside, they may look absolutely jaw-dropping. On the inside, they're dead. And you want to stay away from those people. I don't know if there's any 100% foolproof sorting mechanism for it, but a good indicator of it is the kind of people that she surrounds herself with. So when you go on dates with such a woman or you spend time with such a woman, observe how she acts, how she comports herself in public. Is she kind to waiters? Does she engage in casual conversation with people? Does she bring, does she smile a lot? Does she bring a lot of energy to people's eyes? Does she have a positive impact on them? Are, are people smiling after they talk to her? If they are, pretty good sign. If, here's a good test, take her up to a large dog and see how the dog reacts. Dogs have an innate capacity to, to sense uh, goodness and badness in people. Uh, the, the very finely tuned, it's amazing how um, sensitive their, their, uh, their evil detectors are. Uh, a dog will very rapidly figure out um, who is good and who is bad. And anyone who is bad, he'll just start barking, like almost immediately. Um, whereas if a, if a dog, you know, particularly one of the more aggressive types of dog breeds, uh, generally suited to guarding and, and herding, comes straight up to you with a tail wagging and starts you know, trying to make friends with you, or with, with her, you probably found somebody worth knowing. And so it's a pretty good indicator. So again, it's not foolproof, but it's pretty close to foolproof. These are the things that you can look out for in other people, which will help you to unlock their value and add it to your own. The fifth point that I want to make is about the innate value that you have as a man or a woman. You are innately valuable, priceless, in fact, to God himself. He created you. He didn't have to. He put you on earth for a purpose. It's up to you to go figure out what that purpose is. And it's very difficult to do that. Most of us will not figure out what that purpose is. We'll go to our graves having lived lives that really don't contribute anything material to society. I was working in financial services for nearly 10 years. And all I was doing was helping people to make money from money. And it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was challenging, difficult, um, intellectually stimulating work. I learned a hell of a lot very quickly. I've kept those lessons with me throughout the rest of my life. And those lessons have made me into somebody that other people look at and go, how the hell did you get to be so smart? I'm like, I'm not smart. If I was smart, I'd be a, a billionaire by now. I'd have my own private jet and, you know, I, an army of Ukrainian concubines to, 
not that I would, but it would be, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that if I were actually smart, I might actually have that sort of lifestyle. I mean, I wouldn't, but in theory, it would be nice. Um, in practice, it would be a nightmare. Because uh, if you have to live, or if you, if you get to be like Jeff Bezos, you're like Jeff Bezos. And that guy, uh, well, yeah. I mean, the less said about Jeff Bezos, the better, really. Uh, Bezosoy or Bozos, uh, however you want to call him, that, that guy is, no, you, you, don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to have Jeff Bezos' lifestyle. You might want to have his billions, uh, and even then, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, the love of money really is the root of all evil. Not money itself, the love of it is the root of all evil. And Bezos and people like him, Bill Gates, even Warren Buffett, I'll be the first to say, Warren Buffett, um, that as good and decent a person as he seems to be, he's backed some very, very questionable ideas in his life. Uh, Bill Gates, the more you read about Bill Gates, the, the scarier that guy becomes. I mean, he is on a one-man quest to basically vaccinate every disease out of existence, but he doesn't have the humility or the introspection or the decency to recognize that vaccines are not the solution. Vaccines are a solution, and not a very good one, to a multifaceted, multifactorial problem of disease. Vaccines just solve, potentially, and not very well, one specific part of that problem. When you're talking about um, how to, you know, maximize your, your value and maximize your worth, you always have to keep in mind that the monetary measure of your worth is not your worth. What matters is not what, how much you have in your bank account. It's not how many, um, how many deals you close. It's not how many jobs you have or what your job title is. It's not even how many kids you have. It's not the house that you live in. It's not the car that you drive. It's none of those things. It's got absolutely nothing to do with, with any of those things. Some of the most miserable and awful people I've ever seen in my life are super wealthy jackasses, just horrible people. They've, they live the dream. They've got all this amazing stuff, but they've never found their purpose in life. And again, go back to what I said you know, a few minutes ago. <coughs> Sorry. Most people will go to their graves without ever realizing their purpose. They will make a lot of money. I mean, not realizing your purpose doesn't mean you die poor. It just means you don't live up to your potential. Your purpose is different from what you want. When God created you, he had something in mind for you, and it was up to you to accept that or reject it of your own free will. God doesn't want slaves. He doesn't want unthinking, blind robots. He wants people who serve him out of love and freedom, who desire to be close to him. So when you look for your purpose in life, you have to seek it out with pure intent. You, have, you really have to ask God, what is it I'm here to do? And Lord, you know, point me in that direction. Show me where I need to go. 
show me what I need to do. And the reality is you're probably not going to like the answer, at least not at first. You're really not going to like the answer at first. It's going to be extremely painful because what God has to say to you in whatever method he uses or chooses, it will be quite unpleasant to your ears. And you're going to take quite a few beatings with a stupidity hammer. And when I say the stupidity hammer, I mean the hammer that will beat the stupid out of you before you finally realize that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's a very unpleasant realization when you get to that point. It's really not fun at all. It's really, really uh, miserable. The process of, of getting that stupidity beaten out of you is immensely taxing. And you're going to feel on a lot of days that you can't take it anymore. You're just done. But it does get better over time. You do begin to see the impact that you're having on other people. And I can't really describe what that looks like because the journey is different for every person. At some level, you're, begin you're going to begin to see other people kind of pay attention to you. And it's not something you can really put your finger on. It's not like you're the best dresser in the room or you're the tallest or you're the strongest or you're the toughest or the fastest or the, or the richest. It's a sense of calm, a sense of um, not being bothered about stupid shit anymore, a sense that you're in control of things. You walk into a room and people will just look at you and say, this guy knows what he's talking about. It'll come across in the way that you ask people questions. When you're in a group situation and you've got somebody speaking you know, for some time and he wraps up his presentation and says, okay, any questions? And you've got some, you know, vapid dits over in the corner who says, uh, oh, I, you know, what was, what, what's, your, what's your most frustrating experience? What's, you know, uh, I, I heard all this amazing stuff about your business in the newspaper. What do you think about what's in the news? It's like, that's totally superficial. That's got nothing to do with what I actually presented. You know, talk to me about what I actually presented. And then you're the guy who stands up and says, I was very interested in what you said about this particular aspect of your experience. Can you please explain why you think this way? Can you give me more detail? What, is, what challenge did this overcome? What you've shown there is that you've actually listened to the other person. You've, you've, you've understood what he has to say. It's an aspect of knowing your purpose, of being directed towards your goal in such a way that your life is now aligned with your purpose. That's where the calmness and the focus and the resilience comes from. Because all of a sudden, and it, well, it's not sudden, I should say, I'll, I'll correct that. Gradually, you will get to the point without even realizing it that you're just not bothered by small things anymore and you can now focus on what's really important and other people are going to notice that around you and they're going to instinctively look to you for leadership and it's not necessarily correlated with having gray hair i have lots of gray hair you can't see it but i have lots of gray hair i have huge amounts of it uh, on sundays when i don't shave my when i when i don't shave and I look at the stubble that's growing out in the evening, it's absolutely hilarious. It's like, like my whole face is just you know, a patchwork of gray. 
um, and I'm not even that old, but it's got very little to do with having gray hair. I've seen people much older than me who still haven't grown up, who still haven't ditched um, stupid habits and stupid ideas, but they haven't found their purpose in life and as such, they don't have much value. They, they, don't, have, they don't add value to other people. They don't have much self-worth because they haven't aligned themselves to what their purpose should be. They haven't achieved what the Greeks used to call uh, telos, potential. Uh, there's a great old TV show, well, it's not old, so it's been off the air for a couple of years now. Uh, I think it wrapped up in 2019, 2020 maybe. Um, yeah, it would have been 2020 actually. Uh, Last Man Standing. If you've ever seen Last Man Standing, phenomenal show, Tim Allen directed and, and produced it, or he directed some of it, he, he was the executive producer. You know, Mike Baxter, phenomenal show, I absolutely loved it. Um, it's a favorite show of the sadly deceased relative of one of my readers. And um, really, I mean, just a, a very heartwarming, very wonderful show all about family and faith and America and entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurism, entre, yeah, well, capitalism, business, um, but really centered around the Baxter family. Uh, just an amazing show. So there's this one episode in which Mike Baxter, you know, Tim Allen, who's basically playing himself because he's not, I mean, it's not an act. That's, that's who he is. He's actually a, a man, a conservative man, family, faith, freedom, you know, all the good things that made, made past tense, America great. Um, and he talks about talos. You know, what is the talos of an acorn? The talos of an acorn is an oak tree. The talos of an oak tree is probably a dining room table. The talos of a man is his full potential as a child of God, realized in his, in his attitude, in his actions, in, his, in the way that he conducts himself in his life. Not necessarily in his achievements. His achievements really don't necessarily have anything to do with what you might consider talos. If you look at my so-called achievements, I mean, my life has been one series of disasters after another. If you look at me just in terms of what I have achieved, it's basically nothing. And I'm okay with that, at least for now. I'm okay with the fact that I've achieved essentially nothing up until this point. But if you look at who I've reached out to, who I've affected, whose lives I've made better, that's an altogether different story. That's a totally different argument. And that is Talos expressed in a so-called nutshell, if, as it were. It's, the, it's your inner potential and you will only realize it by making sure that you align yourself with what God wants for you. When you begin adding value to other people's lives, when you begin realizing your own worth as a man or a woman based on who it is that you were meant to be. And it's not easy to find that out. It's quite painful, actually. But it's something that you have to do if you're actually going to leave this world in a way that leaves an impact upon others. All the rich, unhappy people in this world are going to leave this world and they're going to have nothing to show for their wealth. Nothing whatsoever. They're going to be stuck in hell because they never re repented their sins. They never accepted Christ as, as their Lord and Savior. 
they never moved on from the love of money, which is, the, that's their defining characteristic in life. And it's got absolutely nothing to do with who they really are. Don't be those people. My seventh and final piece of advice, or lesson learned, if you will, is that in order to demonstrate your worth, not just accumulating value, well, as you accumulate value, you create worth in life. Understand that you are worth something and charge for it. Don't, don't just give away stuff for free. Now, this is, this is where everyone starts throwing rotten tomatoes at me because I'm being an idiot and a, a massive hypocrite because guess what? I distribute huge amounts of value for free through my site. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous how much value I distribute for free. So this is where every single one of you who's listening to this is totally entitled to mock me roundly in the comments, I mean, please do, uh, feel free, and everywhere else that you can find, calling me a moron for saying this, because you'd be absolutely right, I am a moron. But when you find what you're worth, go out and charge what you're worth. Don't just give away advice for free. It's very tempting to do so, it's very kind to do so, that's a wonderful thing, I mean, look, don't, don't get me wrong, it's nice to be able to do favors for people. I like doing favors for people. Most people like doing favors for people. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel valued. It makes us feel wanted. Yeah, okay, fine. But don't just give away the milk for free. I mean, come on, at some level, you gotta start charging for it, right? You gotta start making people pay for your time, okay? When you find out what that thing is that you're supposed to be doing, find a way to extract value from other people and find a way to do it honestly. You know, don't, don't, be, don't be a dick about it. Don't, don't overcharge people for it. Don't be, um, don't be rapacious about it, but honestly establish your value. Honestly establish what you're worth. If you, if you know, you know, Rocky Balboa, as he said in Rocky, the 2006 film. Now, if you know what you're worth, go out and get what you're worth. That's the point. You have to go out and get what you're worth. And the only way you can do that is by accumulating value to the point where other people can establish what you're worth and you can establish a perception of what you're worth based on that. If you're charging $300 an hour for consulting services, but you're only, the advice that you're giving out people is getting them into trouble and getting them into debt and ruining their lives, well, very quickly you're gonna run out of the market. And it's real simple. If you're charging your employer $1,000 a day to keep you employed, fed, and watered, but you're only contributing $800 of value a day, well, you can hide that for a while, but at some point, you're gonna run out of room. And at some point, your employer is gonna tell you to take a hike. If you're charging 300 or $400 or $500 for a course, but it's really only got content worth $100, well, people are gonna tell you to, to piss off. But if you're charging $100 for a course that has $500 worth of material in it, People are gonna get a lot out of that. You, on the other hand, may not. Always understand what your time is worth, what you are worth, and establish an honest price for that. And don't, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can devalue your time or your labor or your efforts. Always make sure you go out and get what you're worth once you find out what it is you're supposed to be doing in life. We are out of time, it's been an hour and I need to get my butt into the gym um, because it is chest day and yesterday was leg day and oh my God, my body hurts. 
But nonetheless, this was enjoyable. I hope that you got something out of it, something useful, something enjoyable uh, yourself. Uh, once again, shout out to Pat himself. Uh, you're welcome. And this has been Didactic Mind, episode 93, Value and Worth. As always, like, share, comment, and subscribe. And this is Didact, signing off.